Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to the Baseball Insiders. It's Thanksgiving week. We are thankful for all of you. Joshua showing up early to the comment section, appreciating us. We appreciate you as well. Uh, and a bunch of baseball players learned that their current teams did not appreciate them so much at the end of last week. Getting hit with that non-tender pink slip. We're here to break it all down as well as what to keep an eye on between the holiday and the winter meetings. You know, Robert Murray, fan sided MLB insider, that we are going to get hit with some nonsense during the Thanksgiving meal. You, you just know it's going to happen. I'm already braced for it. I'm going to be bringing at least two battery packs, a phone charger, you name it. I'm going to be prepared because I'm. you never know what's going to happen in baseball. But it's good to see you, my friend. What's happening, baby? It's good to see you. It's one of the best weeks of the year because it's only three days long. It's one of the shortest, weirdest weeks of the year. But rest assured, we are here for you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving week to you, Jacob. Happy Thanksgiving to you, everybody in the comment section. Uh, feel free, I know you guys always do, but feel free to bring the thunder this week because we're going to be going to you all to help fuel the content, helping Robert empty his notebook a little bit before the holiday officially kicks off. And again, the winter meetings just over the horizon when we're going to be going live near constantly. There will not be a day when we are not live, and so you're going to want to be subscribed to this feed when that day arrives. And Bert, you're already blowing up, so I know... Uh, the Aaron Judge deal, it's being finalized, right? That, that's why you're getting a text, because Judge is signing today? I, I'm sad to report that is not indeed the case. That is, that is I think, far from the truth. So my, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to bring bad news to you, my friend. No, no bad news. I understand. I'm bracing for it. I know it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. Uh, but we might as well start there, just because uh, I think this weekend we got one of those rumors that uh did not seem real but also did start to clarify the conversation a little bit somebody somewhere leaked that the yankees made a nine-year 337 million dollar offer to aaron judge now i have no real reason to believe this is true but the range of emotions that this tweet elicited from people saying that's way too much to people saying the yankees don't have a chance if that's the ballpark they're in i've that number came out of nowhere but i found it to be pretty reasonable and assuming that in a theoretical situation where that happened the Yankees would be willing to go higher if they had to that sort of still feels appropriate to me but uh what did you make of that and uh and all the fervor that that elicited um and maybe that was just Yankees Twitter that that blew up but are we still looking at three horse race plus a potential mystery team for judge and uh you know factor fiction how appropriate does an offer like that feel at this point in the offseason you know, I was like you. I, I saw the number, and I'm like, you know what? That actually like seems reasonable. Like that's mm-hmm. actually like. I mean, if you're going to come up with like a, a an offer, I mean, that's one that certainly makes sense. I can't say I have anything, or I've heard anything that suggests that's real. Um, but 
I, I think if a deal eventually or when a deal eventually gets done, that kind of framework would certainly make sense. It could even exceed that because that's what 37.4 million a year, if my math is correct. Um, so maybe it's like a little bit higher than that. Um, but in terms of judges market, I don't think we've gotten anywhere closer to a resolution just because this is going to be one that is, it's going to take a while to get done where like judge wants to establish his value on the open market. That's been made pretty clear. Um, cause he, he wants to get top dollar and I, I, I think the teams were looking at Yankees, of course, Giants, Dodgers. Like I, I do think that Dodgers' interest is real. I, the more I've heard about that, the more I'm like led to believe like they're they're interested. Um, and I'll tell you, Aaron Judge in LA would certainly be that'd be a wow. Um, just because like that was not on my radar until Mark Feinsand mentioned it, like right after or even during the World Series. I can't remember when he mentioned it, but um, shout out to Mark who does a wonderful job at MLB.com, but. Um, I think those are the three teams that we're going to be looking at, but you always got to wonder if there's ever going to be a surprise team that jumps into this race. Like, I like, do I, do I like, okay. So this is one that I I just want to clarify. This is not a report. This is me just doing what I do. And my brain sometimes thinks about these things. If there was ever a surprise team for judge, I still think it's like, I don't know why, but my brain is telling me the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's just, I've thought that. Um, just with how they've spent last year and got money to spend now, like they're, I think they're firmly in on DeGrom um, or in any high end starting pitcher. And they got money to spend. So um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But my, my brain is working in mysterious ways at the moment. I love trying to parse it out, trying to pick it apart, trying to figure out what you're, what, why the synapses are firing the way they fire. And, and maybe it's that I hang out with you too much, but I feel like the Rangers are probably my fourth team too. Also, we talked about this with DeGrom's market. We're going to talk about it all offseason, but there aren't that many teams that can play in that end of the pool. So assuming that nobody wants Judge's horse race to just be Yankees, Giants, Dodgers, Dodgers, Giants, Yankees, we've heard these teams forever – like the teams that think they're close with pools of money are also going to jump in before it's over. Because like you said, judge loves being a Yankee judge loves hitting free agency judge is not going back to the Yankees without exploring all options, which is why this is going to drag out. And you're going to place a call to the Rangers. You're going to place a call to the Mariners. Maybe another team that's a near contender, Judge was playing in that ballpark. Like you're going to have to hit that like one a of teams before you wrap up the process. So the Rangers and Mariners make some sense to me. No, they absolutely do. And I, if I was running a team, I would absolutely check in on Aaron judge, see what it takes. And if all of a sudden it's like more reasonable than you'd expect, which honestly it's, this is going to be a very expensive contract. So I'm not expecting it to be reasonable, but if you have the bandwidth to sign them, it's worth checking in. And um, yeah, I'm just, you got to imagine there's more than three teams in a guy like, or on a guy like Aaron judge. That just, there has to be. Um, we just haven't found those teams out yet, which is interesting to me. In terms of those upper monetary tier teams. Now's probably a good time to talk about DeGrom too. 
Um, you know, we are uh, constantly parsing through rumors, and you and I touched base a little bit today because, like the chat is mentioning, Brian in the chat bringing it up. So you're fueling the conversation that we were uh, planning to have. Uh, the, the Yankees have checked in on Jacob deGrom's medicals, as we've heard. Uh, now, that doesn't mean all that much to me. Like, as someone who's sort of sifting through this, um, I'm, I've spent a lot of time trying to separate what surface level from what goes deeper than that. Asking about a player's medicals doesn't necessarily indicate to me that there's a future of, of talks and conversation there. Um, but that's one of very few teams we're hearing in the DeGrom market. It's just the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Mets. The Yankees have the x-rays. So if they want to read those over Thanksgiving break, they can look at them. Uh, what 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 does that mean to you that the Yankees are checking in on DeGrom's medicals at all? Are we opening up the field here, or is this still sort of just a Steve Cohen blinking contest? This, to me, is the Yankees doing their homework on DeGrom, and that's what any team in baseball should do because the Yankees, they have a clear need for a starting pitcher. They should add one or two of them, um, in my opinion, and like obviously DeGrom is the cream of the crop here. But their number one priority is re-signing Aaron Judge. And until Judge is re-signed or until he decides where he's going to go, um, I don't. it limits what they can do in free agency. I mean, obviously, they're still going to be active. They just re-signed Anthony Rizzo for two years. But they can't go out right now and sign DeGrom because you just don't know what the payroll is going to look like uh, with Judge unsettled. But... Um, and like another thing that I've had like mentioned to me a couple times by different teams is they request medical information on players all the time. And that's something that Andy Martino mentioned in his report. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, it gives you more information on a guy and the more information that you have, the better decisions that you can make in free agency, it gives clarity there, but let's say DeGrom or any other player becomes available um, via trade in a year or two, you have that medical information to go off of, and that helps you make better decisions decisions at that time. So I think this is more just information gathering rather than like the Yankees having a serious chance for DeGrom. So if I was a Yankees fan, I would definitely like, I would not get my expectations very high here because I think DeGrom going to the Bronx is more of a pipe dream than anything. Um, but Brian Cashman is doing his job. He's doing his due diligence. And I mean, that's all you can ask for him at this stage. There is nothing sillier than entering the off season, like where you plan to be a player and just deciding like, we're, I think we're good. We don't need the medical info. Like we appreciate it, but uh, I think we're going to just, uh, I think we're going to play it safe and, and go without all the information at hand here. So yeah, Yankees doing due diligence any more than that. We don't know. Um, probably not though. And like you said, you got to settle judge before you settle these other big dogs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Dodgers' interest in Judge feels realer to you than it used to. And I think some of the reasoning behind that is 
the fact that the Dodgers cleared off even more payroll by non-tendering Cody Bellinger this week, a man who just so happens to play a position that Aaron Judge can man if he wants to. Uh, Let's talk about the non-tendered players who intrigues you, potential best fits, but it's a conversation that has to start with Cody Bellinger. It's not often that an NL MVP from just three years ago is let loose on the deadline that is typically for clearing out 40-man sludge. Uh, but we've lost an MVP. The Dodgers tried as hard as they could to recapture his form. It never happened. That seems telling to me. But what does the Bellinger market look like to you? And were you surprised that what we called this a coin flip and the Dodgers ultimately decided to go for the non-tender? Did that ultimately surprise you? Um, yeah, when we talked before the non-tender deadline, like we mentioned, as you said, it was a coin flip. But the day of, it became pretty clear in the morning that they were leaning toward um, non-tendering Bellinger and that it was possible that they could even trade him just because, um, I mean, they, they were ta- like other teams checked in on Bellinger and you, you always got to see what they're, what they're going to offer. Um, but ultimately nothing ended up coming of it and they non-tendered him. I don't think the Dodgers have ruled out re-signing Bellinger at a lower rate. Um, but certainly they're going to have competition. And like, there's, there's a few teams here that I think make a whole lot of sense. Like I'll, I'll list three of them real quick. Mm-hmm. Toronto, um, they have a need for a left-handed bat in the outfield, um, short term, even long term too, after trading Teoscar Hernandez. And that was like the immediate thought that I had in my head following the non-tender. Um, and I certainly could see that like, being a potential fit. Number two is the Cubs. Um, that I believe they were monitoring that one pretty closely uh, just to see what the Dodgers were going to do. But I will say this, the Cubs were not alone on that one. There's a lot of teams that were monitoring Bellinger just because it's not often that a former MVP is let go in a free agent after or three years uh, after winning the MVP. So the Cubs. And then the last one is the Giants. I've mentioned the Giants with Bellinger for probably six months. Um, just because of the fit, because Farhan Zaidi knows him from L.A., as does Gabe Kapler. And familiarity, I think, could play – I think it's important for sure. Um, just, I mean, Bellinger, he's – like Scott Boris, I believe he told Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic um, that Bellinger is looking for a one-year deal. And this is the most crucial season of Bellinger's career because this is going to determine a lot of how much money – he's going to make in future seasons and what his career is ultimately going to look like and going to a place of familiarity, I think could make sense, which is San Francisco. And they're known for, for getting a most out of their hitters. I mean, look at a couple of years ago, um, Brandon belt, Brandon Crawford, and um, forgetting there's another hitter in there. Um, they, but they had career years and or Buster Posey. How did I forget about Buster Posey? Long glory. Um, was great. I mean, that whole team. Yeah. And I, I think Bellinger is certainly going to look at that, and like it's a pretty intriguing option for him. So I don't think there's going to be any shortage, shortage of interest. Um, but those three teams to me stand out right now. And also the phone's still buzzing. We're, we got to love that. But no, no signing, no Aaron Judge news yet. No, yeah. Well, imagine if the Judge thing just completely reversed itself in the last eight minutes. You're like, sorry, that text actually was Judge, and the Rangers just gave him a $380 million deal. Like, sorry. I, I think I'd be the first person to ever shit their pants on a podcast. So. First, and Brad's kind of been done before. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've I've never done it, but it someone has. Yeah. It's not first. At least in fan sided history. Yeah, 
probably. Although I think Verderam gets close sometimes after the Chiefs blow a late lead. But uh, I'm sure he was doing that last night. I don't think he's ever done. Yeah, I don't think he's done it live. I think he gets that out of the way before the podcast starts. Um, A veteran move. Good job, Verderam. Yeah. But could happen during the winter meetings. You you never know. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Yep, there you go. That's hey, I'm telling you, that's this podcast, as we said, we're we're gonna get weird. And I don't think you get weirder than possibly crapping yourself. So no. um boy, uh take it, Adam. I, I don't know. I turn this into a <laughs> you I want me to transition? You really yeah, please, you really yeah. want me to transition? Yeah, are you sure? Oh no. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting speak, to sweat. Speaking of crapping their pants, Cody Bellinger <laughs> during the 2021 season. Uh how how confident are you, uh honestly? Uh, I, I think a lot of the discourse has been like, if the Dodgers couldn't get it done, who's going to get it done? Like the familiarity in San Francisco makes all the sense in the world to me, but we're going on several years now of not just sub MVP and sub all-star level production, but genuinely yeah. bottom of the barrel. Uh, Bellinger in 2021, 165. He subtracted a war from the Dodgers. He subtracted one war. Uh, and that is just two years after his MVP season. Uh, do you feel as if we are past the point of no return here, or do you have faith that a team like the Giants, that there's something left to unlock in that swing? I'm optimistic just because Bellinger's proven he's an MVP talent. And like, and even Scott Boris mentioned this when we were talking to him at the GM meetings, Bellinger has dealt with like a non-normal like off-season or non-normal baseball season because of the pandemic um, and the lockout. And it's kind of – it's made life difficult for a lot of these players. So I think a full season of – or full off-season, I should say, of normal off-season workouts and, like, being able to work with a – I mean, one eventually signs, like, a a team training staff is going to be important in building up his strength. But the time is certainly running out for Bellinger. Like, this is a make-it-or-break-it year. Um, it's crucial. And that's why I think this kind of a signing is so important for him and determining where he's going to go. Um, but I am not willing, I'm not willing to write off Cody Bellinger quite yet. Of course, he's the leader in the clubhouse for most interesting non-tendered player this past week. But there were a number of other names that are familiar. A few former all-stars, Alex Reyes now on the block, Heimer Candelario of the Detroit Tigers, Edwin Rios also let loose by the Dodgers, Luke Voigt. The home run champ from 2020, no longer on a roster after relaxing in San Diego, being sent to Washington after Eric Hosmer complained about being included in the Juan Soto-Josh Bell trade. Now all of a sudden out of Washington again. Dom Smith, formerly the Mets, Brian Anderson, the versatile Marlin, and the Punisher, Aristides Aquino, are the guys who stand out to me as star caliber players. Um, But all in all, beyond Bellinger, it is sort of a list of clearly flawed players who haven't necessarily earned a roster spot with the team they were uh, playing for just a week ago. Is there any name other than Bellinger that really screams to you like take act? Somebody's got to take action here. Or is it just kind of like a bunch of guys who are going to have to wait until February or spring training to find their new home? There was one that really stood out to me and it was Alex Reyes. Um, he has had a very interesting career with the St. Louis Cardinals. Like when he's on, he's he can be the best reliever in baseball. Like he's that freaking good. And it was not. It was two years ago. Um, he made the All Star team and hadn't allowed a run for. It was close to like the first half of the um, first half of the season, which was just 
utterly insane. Um, and when he's going, I've had people who have been in the batter's box tell me that Reyes is one of the most unhittable pitchers in, in the game. Um, and obviously he's dealt with injuries last year. Um, and it's been an up and down road for him. So it's certainly not going to be like a shoe in, like you're going to sign an all-star caliber player right then and there. But if you get him right, if you get him healthy, um, and you put him in the right situations, he is going to, he has this chance to be a, like a very good reliever. Um, and I think there should be half a baseball in on Alex Reyes. They, all of baseball should be in on a guy like that. That's, I feel very strongly about that because I don't like, I don't know what that contract is going to look like. Um, maybe he's another guy who wants to sign a one-year deal, kind of like Bellinger where he can reestablish himself and then hit the open market after that. Um, but the talent's there and I bet on talent all the time and he's got a lot of it. You're right. Pretty spectacular all-star season in 2021 as a 26 year old, three, two, four ERA, uh, the, uh, the whip and the FIP, both a little higher one, three, five, five whip 4.40 FIP. The problem with Reyes is he walks the farm 52 walks and 72 and a third innings, but only 46 hits 95 K's and obviously good enough to be named an all-star. So it's not like the walks were prohibitive um, coming off an injury that changes things. But if you're a team with a low budget looking to build a bullpen uh, on distressed assets and bounce back candidates, or you want a chance to rebuild someone's value and trade them at the deadline, you could certainly do worse than 2021 all-star Alex Reyes, who the Cardinals have let loose. I totally hear you there. It's definitely sort of a, a jarring name to see in the pile of uh, of players. And Aristides Aquino, too, like the story of 2019, the non-tendered player of 2022. It, it goes by like that. Uh, and Cody Bellinger can tell you that better than anybody else. Let's uh, let's head to the chat a little bit because uh, starting to pile up. Got some questions here. Uh, I do want to let's address Brian uh, talking about Justin Verlander and the Mets having their Zoom connection um, everything we're hearing about Verlander seems to indicate that the Astros are not the front runners. However, that was the case last year too. And then all of a sudden Ben Verlander announces he's back. Um, do you feel like Verlander is really being priced into the Mets and Dodgers range and that's it? The Scherzer territory, or are you, you know, you're not really prepared to count out the Astros either. I will not count out the Astros um, just because Jim Crane, like he will be heavily involved in that. And I know how much Jim Crane likes Justin Verlander. And when the owner likes a player that uh, that's, that's a big deal. Um, but Verlander's is absolutely talking to other teams, like the, the meeting with the Mets, um, the interest from the Dodgers um, that is, it's going to make him more expensive uh, just because those are two of the big spenders. But I will say Verlander meeting virtually with the Mets. Last year, Max Scherzer did the same thing, and he met with Steve Cohen virtually, and that's when he fell in love with the Mets, and the Mets emerged as a serious option. And now the Mets have really established themselves um, as like a playoff team. Like a, They're going to be a perennial contender, uh, in my opinion. And Verlander's going to see that. He's going to talk to Cohen. They're a pretty enticing option, and they got money to spend. And it's, I'm very curious, do the Mets – I mean, that's you're basically choosing between Justin Verlander and Jacob deGrom in that situation, and I am so curious what they're going to do there because, I mean, both of them insanely talented, 
Verlander is coming off of a very good season. Uh, DeGrom is coming off of yet another injury-ridden season. Um, he's got those injury concerns that might scare some teams. I'm I'm fascinated, man. I'm I, I would absolutely not rule out the Mets with Verlander. That's I think that absolutely their interest in him is real. Their interest in him is real. It might be realer than their interest in Jacob DeGrom. I think if I'm looking myself in the mirror right now, I have to be telling myself, like, are the Mets behaving like a team that is willing to match any DeGrom offer? Not to me. I'm not in the room, but not to me. Um, let's do a little bit of assorted news and notes, factor fiction, and I'm going to get to some more of your questions in a second here. They tie in really nicely to some stuff I'm going to tee up. When I do, going to shout you out. So don't worry, more questions coming. A couple of things we're hearing a lot about, connections that have been made pretty heavily this past week and weekend that are starting to feel a little bit like the Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners thing, where it was like, you start getting people tweeting the exact package. Like, Hernandez for Flexen, Hernandez for Flexen. And of course, it ends up being Hernandez for Swanson. But insiders have been talking about it for so long that it gets embedded in your brain. And then when it happens, everybody feels like they connected the dots. We got a couple of those. Kenley Jansen and the Giants was one that emerged this weekend heavily from a lot of different sources. Clearly, the Giants not afraid to shy away from former Dodgers. That rivalry, there's no detente there. There's no handshake deal that we're not going to get your guys. We just spent a lot of time talking about Bellinger to the Giants. Where factor fiction is Kenley to the Giants sort of a, a conversation that's in motion? Do you see the Giants making that plunge? So I I'm, I won't. I'll say fact because the Giants have interest in Kenley Jensen. Does that mean a deal is going to get done? No, but they do like Jensen. And it's a similar situation to what we mentioned with Ballinger before is Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler both know Kenley Jensen and the Giants. I mean, they, they could use another late inning reliever and pairing him with Duvall in the late innings. That's a pretty enticing combo because I will Jensen is all-star reliever. I like the hall of fame. I don't know if the hall of fame conversation to start with Jensen yet. Um, but like you can, you, I mean that, I think that's an argument that can be made because he's been a, just a dominant reliever when he's been there um, or been in the, in the ninth inning and, I, I certainly think it makes sense. The Giants have explored it. They've had conversations with Jensen's camp. Um, but I do not believe as of this moment right now that anything is or that anything is close. I would love to have that Hall of Fame conversation. Sometime around the, the Hall of Fame voting, let's do like a, you know, when the offseason has slowed down a little bit, let's do like an active future Hall of Famers thing because I think about it way too often. Um, and I'm also really – soapbox rant i just always get bummed out when i think of all the great pitchers from our generation because most of them are not gonna make the hall like think of the best starting pitchers from 2012 2013 king felix no matt kane no linscomb no johan santana no cliff lee no tim linscomb is my favorite pitcher ever i am not afraid to say it watching linscomb i don't have i i don't think i've told my linscomb story in this podcast i don't think so i have a good one too after you go Oh, about Linscombe? Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll give my story real quick. So it was it was right after Linscombe had made his major league debut. He was pitching in Milwaukee, and I grew up a Giants fan. And I knew who Linscombe was, and I knew how good that he was coming up and that he had a chance to be a pretty good player. Um, and it was the day that he started. And I went down to the Giants by the Giants' dugout, and 
saw Lincecum standing there. He was talking to somebody, and I shouted, like, hey, Mr. Lincecum, can you sign my baseball? Um, and he looked at me, and he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm starting today. I'm not allowed to, but if you come tomorrow, I'll sign your baseball. And I wasn't going the next day, so I wasn't able to get his autograph. And I walked away in shame. And the guy, like the, there was an older guy behind me, and he asked me, "Why did you just ask the Bat Boy for an autograph?" And I'm like, "Dude, that's Tim Lincecum. That's the guy that's starting for him today." And lo and behold, Lincecum had one of like the most dominant careers or short careers in baseball history. So, um, yeah, that's my Lincecum story. And I'll tell you, it could not have been nicer. Unreal. I I will love that guy forever. And mine is not dissimilar, but it, I mean, it's not. You know, uh, nobody told me they thought he was the bat boy. But another example of how nice a guy he is, this was when he was in college. I was on the Cape at watching Cape Cod League baseball. Linscombe was on the Harwich Mariners. Uh, We knew who he was, kind of, because I think he'd been in Baseball America. Uh, I mean, when you've got a guy with that motion, he pitched for the Washington Huskies, like totally outlandish. Like there was a bit of a legend of Tim Linscombe. So I went in knowing who he was. He was not a total mystery to me. And the access you get to the players, the Cape Cod League is insane. I once followed Mark Teixeira to the bathroom and he was like, because it's a porta potty like inches away from the field. And he was just wandering in full uniform through a public park. And I was like, Mr. Teixeira. And he was like, I'm literally going to that bathroom. Like as soon as I'm done, I'll sign. But like, yeah, I'm about to walk into that porta potty. So like the players really are just floating around you. And Linsingham was in the bullpen. And I could, I was right behind the chain link fence and he and the bullpen coach were trying to figure out the right quote from the cowbell sketch. Like, like I got a prescription and the only, you know, I got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell and he couldn't get it. And I like, I fed it to him like from the stands and he was like, Oh yeah, thanks man. Or whatever. <laughs> and like he and I, and the bullpen coach were doing cowbell sketch for a little bit. I was like 13, 14. Uh, he was awesome. awesome guy. Heck yeah. No, I'll tell you, Tim Lincecum, what a guy. He's uh, an absolute freaking legend. And Mark Teixeira, too, evidently. I, I, I've never talked to Mark Teixeira. So. Shout out to Mark Teixeira for, for being honest with me, though, and not like blowing me off and also not signing my ball when he really had to go to the bathroom. So I think he handled it well. Oh, absolutely. And as Kurt mentioned, uh, mentioned in, the, in the comments here, when you got to go, you got to go. I mean, got to go. Yeah, when nature's calling, I mean, you can't ignore it. Doesn't matter if you're Mark Teixeira or some 10-year-old boy. Uh, obviously, a burner is here. Thank goodness. Showed up right on time. Uh, right. Not going to be talking about your raise quite yet. I don't want to make this a Yankee-centric podcast, but I will say another fact or fiction we've been getting this weekend, uh, the the evolutionary sequel to Teoscar to the Mariners, starting to get that Glaber to the Mariners buzz uh, that I think I mentioned on the last episode just because it's everybody said after the Teoscar thing that what they need next is middle infield. The Yankees have this middle infielder. They're confident enough and their kids that they're maybe going to shop him with two years remaining of control. Is there smoke there? Is there fire there? How do you feel about Glaber Torres to the Mariners or getting dealt at all in the coming weeks? Um, I, I do think that he, his name is on the, the trade market. Like I've, I've heard that from rival teams. I don't necessarily think the Yankees are shopping him more. I think they're just listening, which is what any good team does. Um, but I think if the Yankees are going to trade Torres, it needs to be for a starting pitcher. And obviously the Mariners have an abundance of starting pitching. Like their young starting pitching is among the most exciting in baseball. 
do I th- like which one do they part with in that situation though? That's that's what I'm having trouble coming up with. So that's why I'm like a I'm more skeptical about the chances of that happening. Sure, like I'm positive like the Mariners are probably interested in him just because I mean Torres is a really talented player. Um but I still think I still think that if there's ever a deal that should happen, it is Glaber Torres to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. Like have that be the framework. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Like there was a lot of talk about that at the trade deadline last year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty I'm pretty positive the Yankees were close to getting close to getting Lopez and the deal just wasn't they didn't have enough time to get it done. Um but um, if the to me if the Yankees are going to trade Torres it's got to be a first starting pitcher. Hear that Mariners? All you have to do to get Glaber Torres is just get Pablo Lopez first. There you go. Done. Boom. I'll tell you, if there's ever a GM crazy enough to do it, it's Jerry Depoto. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, he's that guy's a madman. Can't rule it out. Um, well, <laughs> speaking of madmen, you've got a favorite madman. You're an AJ Preller guy. That guy is insane. Uh, I think we've spent a lot of time talking about the Dodgers having a surplus of funds, of wiggle room to spend. It's about a hundred million dollars till they get to that tax threshold. Could be Judge, could be a true frontline starter like Verlander DeGrom, could be one of those two things and also a shortstop. There's a lot the Dodgers can do, but whenever they do it, AJ Preller is going to have to strike back. Uh, seeing some questions in the chat uh, about, you know, Will Holder bringing up a Max Kepler Kenta Maeda deal. Uh, I don't know if there is a, you know, Bogart's interest. Uh, he brought that up in the chat as well. But the Padres are not going to just be able to lay low even after doing the Juan Soto thing and, and striking last offseason and, and midway through last season. Uh, if the Dodgers do spend this surplus, how do you think the Padres are going to respond? So here's the thing. The Padres have already done like their biggest moves. They got Juan Soto and Josh Hader. I they mean, like if anything, the Dodgers are responding to the Padres. But you know A.J. Preller? He is not going to be... He's not going to be inactive because that's just – I don't know if he's capable of being inactive when it comes to free agency moves or even on the basketball court, which, by the way, I've I even heard back at the, the GM meetings that Preller's basketball game is still very good. Um, so there's – he hasn't lost a step there. Nice. Um, but I think if we're looking at anything with the Padres, it is going to be um, a starting pitcher. Um, I, I think that's going to be something that they really hone in on. Um, I saw John Morosi mention Jose Abreu's name. I thought that was interesting because he listed Abreu or a player like that as a priority. Um, but like, and I know there's been a lot of talk about a shortstop. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast that Preller loves Trey Turner. And that was not me reporting that the Padres are report or that it was not me reporting that the Padres are like, going to pursue Trey Turner. Just, I mean, he loves Trey Turner. Um, and I still don't think a shortstop is that high on, on their priority list because they're still, I mean, they haven't figured out exactly where Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to play. They could play him at shortstop. They could play him in the outfield. They can play him all over the place if they wanted to. Um, but I don't think adding one of those high price shortstops is a priority for them. That is currently what I think. But you know what? Adrian Preller could just wake up one day and be like, you know what? We're gonna do. We're gonna go do that, and and he can make me look like an idiot. But right now, I just don't think that's gonna end up being the case. Preller is gonna get Pablo Lopez for Miami. Gonna trade him to the Mariners. Then 
and send him to New York for Glaber. It feels like it's a, it's borderline a done deal. I know you're not going to report that, but I'm willing to report it. I'm putting my reputation on the line. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, the one you're going to cooperate that report. I will. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll make that very clear. Sorry. I'm hearing I'm hearing it's at the one yard line. Now, maybe I'm just uh, dehydrated. Maybe it's been a long, you know, a long couple of weeks and I got Thanksgiving on the brain. But yes, I think that's a done deal. Um, one more <laughs> dot to connect. Uh, you mentioned high profile shortstops. I feel like there was a mini complication in the shortstop market this weekend because uh, I think you and I have sort of agreed Carlos Correa's next stop is Chicago. LA, most importantly, not Minnesota, where he had a little one-year stopover, opted out. I, I don't know. There, there was a long time when I felt like maybe Correa's career in Minnesota was done. Then this weekend, the Twins' Correa buzz starts to ferment a little bit. Like, the team FaceTimed him from their New Jersey reveal on Friday. I don't know if you saw that. People talked to Byron Buxton and he was basically like making it very clear, like we want this guy back. We have the money. It's you know Carlos wants to be back. It's up to the team. And that was sort of the first time in a while I was like, does Carlos want to be back in Minnesota? So where are you on that? Was I underestimating the Twins in the Correa market? Uh, and has this weekend maybe properly adjusted that for me? Because now I'm sort of locked in on them. I, I think it, it's probably put things into a better perspective because I think the twins certainly were, uh, were never out on Correa. Um, I think the interest there is mutual, but here's the thing is how far are the twins willing to go? Because that, that contract is going to be pricey. Like, you know, Scott Boris, after accepting a three-year deal, which was basically a one-year deal because uh, they opted after the first year, he's not going to settle for another short-term deal. He's going to want top of the market, like top dollar. And, it's going to be whatever team ponies up for a guy like Correa, but twins liked him. He liked Minnesota. So you can never rule anything out, but it's just, it's going to come down to how deep the twins' pockets are. Um, and if they're, yeah, I guess, well, I guess we'll have to see, but I'll tell you, if there's one team that I think makes a whole lot of sense for Correa, it's the Baltimore Orioles and they have money to spend. I feel like we're not talking about the Orioles enough as like, a team that could be a major player in free agency. Um, they have a really, really good young core and they could use a sh- like a shortstop to like, cause I think shortstop with the, uh, the shift change is going to be a pretty instrumental position here. And if you combine that young core with a guy who is a proven winner, like Carlos Correa, that's a very, very, very good looking core. And then you add another starting pitcher or two or three, you maybe you're looking at a playoff team and a team that could actually win a playoff series here. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, um, but I, I think we should be looking at the Baltimore Orioles a little bit more than we have. I and love- shout out to Ian Levy on uh, that's, that's my editor at Fanside. He is a, a new Baltimore Orioles fan. Um, so shout out to Ian. He picked the right time. Certainly better to be a new Baltimore Orioles fan than an old Baltimore Orioles fan. Uh, but no. The power of yeah, Ian. Mm-hmm. Freaking Adley's here. Freaking Gunnar Henderson's here. Felix in the ninth. Carlos Correa is a lock. No, I mean, who knows? But the Orioles should play in the high-end market sooner rather than later. Uh, and that's what the that's what the Astros did. And the Astros architects are like at step five. The Orioles guys who now, who used to be Astros guys, I feel like they're looking at the Domino's pizza tracker. 
and it's like the very end. It's like in the oven, ready for delivery. Now is when you make your final splash. Yep. No, exactly. And I mean, they're in the freaking perfect position to do it. And I, I'm, I'm also, I'm looking at the comments here. I have been wondering for ages who obviously a burner is. Like, I know you said on the last podcast that you would not reveal who you were a burner for, but Mr. Obviously a burner, who are you a burner for? Please, please respond. Yeah. Is this, uh, is this Preller? If it's Preller, blink, blink twice. Um, is it Linsicum? Like I, I'm starting oh, to get a little freaked out here, man. Yeah, I'll tell you, if it was big time Timmy Jim. Well, by the way, those commercials back then with ESPN, that was, yeah, top top notch. Little yeah. Stuart Scott and Scott Van Pelt action. Great. Oh, man. Stuart Scott was one of my sports idols growing up. Loved him. He's the best. Uh, North Carolina Tar Heels legend, too. Uh, they, yeah. yeah, intrinsically connected. Connected. It's been a long week, and it's Monday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Love that. Love Stuart Scott, but I'm losing my mind. Um, before we uh, wrap this up, anything else in the notebook that you want to get out before Thanksgiving weekend? Any movement we could be expecting during the break uh, that might break the dam a little bit? Obviously, Judge, not close. Most of the big names, not particularly close. But is there some rumbling that you're hearing that uh, we have not addressed yet? So... There was indications that the um, that the pitching market could start moving, and Tyler Anderson went, and I thought that Jose Quintana and maybe another starting pitcher or two could go. Um, but I think that Tyler Anderson deal was a little lighter than what some of these people were expecting, so that may be holding up things a little bit. Um, so I think we're going to end up seeing most of our or most of the action between Thanksgiving in the winter meetings, or uh, I, let me rephrase that. We'll see some action between Thanksgiving and the winter meetings, not most. Um, and I think that's when we'll see things heating up. But right now I, uh, I'm not expecting the, the next couple of days to be very active, but Hey, I could be wrong. It's all yeah. changes. One phone call. It's lucky for us though. It'd be, it would be fantastic if the next couple of days weren't that hot. Um, Thanksgiving dinner is coming up. It's happening this is the food weekend of the year. You're, you're loosening your belt. You're rocking sweatpants. You probably don't have, if you're not wearing elastic to Thanksgiving dinner, you're not doing it right. Uh, so just before we sign off, special Thanksgiving weekend send off, I figured I'd give you a trade extend non-tender of a couple of Thanksgiving foods. Immediately what comes to mind. So trade basically means like goes the way the baseball market goes, right? Trade is you enjoy it. Sure. It's good but you know somebody else is going to value it more. Extend means you can't afford to let it go. I cannot, this is essential to my Thanksgiving table. No one else can have this. Non-tender means it's proven it does not belong anywhere near your table. We know you have no time for it. And, you know, uh, again, you're a very, you run a very smart organization. There there are foods you just, you've tried your whole life to like. You don't like them. And so they got to go. Find somebody else to, to give you a chance. Um, so I'll start with the sides. Uh, I'm going to make mashed, this. <laughs> mashed potatoes, stuffing, sweet potatoes. Who are you extending? Who are you non-tendering? And who are you trading? So I am, without hesitation, extending sweet potatoes. Because sweet potatoes, to me, are one of the best things in the world. I love, and I mean love, a good sweet potato. Sweet potatoes, just regular. Sweet potato tots, sweet potato fries. I'm in. doesn't matter they got to be crispy, though, if they're like fries or tots. Got to be crispy. Um, I will 
happily non-tender mashed potatoes because mashed potatoes to me are absolutely offensive and they ruin any Thanksgiving, any, like any food plate, you put mashed potatoes on there and you, you we're, we're not friends. That's, that's all I got to say about that. And then, um, what was the other option? A trade. Um, I gave I will, you stuffing. Yeah. I'll trade stuffing. It's not because I don't like stuffing, but like it's the only option I have left. Um, I like stuffing, but like blast mashed potatoes to Pluto. Like they, they should not belong on planet Earth. This is why we do the segment because I need that. I need that bite from you. I, yeah. I'm extending mashed potatoes. I mean, yeah, I know yeah. nobody asked me, but yeah. they, Adam has been removed as Baseball Insider's co-host, effective immediately. Uh, immediately for the holiday. <laughs> I feel like, look, mashed potatoes. The consistency is strange, right? And you do need gravy. And and maybe you're a skins guy, maybe you're a non-skins guy, but. I think that flavor with the gravy is matched. The consistency is odd. And I did have a friend yesterday tell me uh, that he was at a catered event and he, it was Greek food, but he believed that he was looking at a large bowl of mashed potatoes. He served himself with the amount that you, I mean, let's say you love mashed potatoes and you see a giant bowl of them. He gave himself that amount of mashed potatoes, put the spoon in and it was like dip. It was like Greek garlic dip. And he realized that he was taking a mouthful of like, pita dip so you can get yourself into that trouble by accident but i'm, I'm still extending them man i'm sorry I, I love me some mashed potatoes not good not good i'm 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 i, I will say this i'm very glad that i've never been put, put in a situation where i thought i was eating mashed potatoes and it turned out to be garlic dip um <laughs> that would not be very good but that does remind me there was a time my first ever like uh uh, sushi experience i thought the green stuff was avocado yeah you did um, so i put an entire mouthful in my mouth turns out it was wasabi yeah, and did. yeah that was bad that was that was very bad i do not recommend that that was, no there was tears lots of tears i don't even eat the small little nub of wasabi god help you if you take a mouthful of that stuff um i i hesitate to even ask you but what pies do you have a pie preference like I, i've got it broken down like pumpkin pie apple pie pecan pie if you're talking about trade extend non-tender but like are you a pie guy do you, do you have love for the pies or, or can you differentiate between those you're gonna be surprised adam i love pie, pie. love pie uh number one is banana cream which wow. obviously I'm, i love bananas um i've already had four today by the way yeah he's uh, a banana guy we know this and two apple pie Love a good apple pie. It's, I mean, that's the most American thing there is. Three is pumpkin pie. Um, uh, it's just delicious. It's classic. It's, it's awesome. But pecan pie belongs to mashed potatoes and like at a different planet because they should just be kicked to the kicked to the freaking moon. Don't belong. I love it. Pecan <laughs> is a confusing pie. I will admit because it's like the top is nuts. We all know what the top is. The middle part. What are you? It's an interesting consistency. It's like it's fruit. Pumpkin is pumpkin. Apple is fruit. Pecan is just goop in the middle there. It's not necessarily the same from the same family. Uh, Fine. We'll send it to an alien planet. I hear you on that. I I love all three pies. It was it was hard to choose between the pies. I'm probably extending pumpkin if we're being honest, but uh, pie lover. And I hope that all of our listeners and viewers out there are uh, cataloging these decisions, coming up with their own. We'd love to hear from you what you decide to extend and non-tender uh, on your Thanksgiving Day plate. 
Bert, thanks so much as always. Oh, go for it. So, okay, Adam is leaving out another one in this because in in our uh, in our baseball insiders um, little rundown here, he also put white meat turkey, dark meat turkey, and gravy. It's true. Um, all of them don't belong in the dinner table. Turkey <laughs> is the most. No, okay, hear me out, Adam. Nobody enjoys eating turkey. It is tradition. Like if you you can't eat a turkey and actually enjoy it, like. Turkey is is a vile, vile bird. They're, by all accounts, they're like a nice bird because, like, back in my house in Wisconsin, we'd always have, like, 10 or 15 turkeys, like, hop up in the trees, and they, they seem like they're enjoying themselves. But, like, as far as edible, they're not edible. Um, just no, no. I, I have not eaten a turkey. Actually, okay, let me let me take this back. Mm-hmm. I had a turkey last year. Um, I had a Friendsgiving. It, my friend Tessa made it. And you know what? It actually turned out, like, it was probably the best turkey I've ever had. Um, so shout out to Tessa for that. But any other turkey I've had, sorry, mom, is borderline offensive. Um, so I, I wanted to get that on the air. Oh, God, I love that I gave you the chance. Like, I, I was like, I think I'm good to wrap. I think, like, I'm, I'm going to cut off the end of the outline. I think we're fine. And you were like, no, no, no. I, I, like, need the part I needed to say most was that the number one food of the holiday is inedible. I don't, I don't think you're wrong, man. Like, and especially dark meat, I can't handle the white meat is inoffensive to me. It's like nothing. It's, it's like, it's a gravy vessel, but dark meat, the sliminess of the dark meat is, is not for me. Uh, white meat again, I'm shrugging at it, but you are ejecting it out of, out of the house. And I get it. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, you should, you should be arrested if you have turkey at Thanksgiving. That's, that's how I feel about it. So. <laughs> that the entire American public should be detained. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, spot the lie. I wish you could because you can't. Yeah. I wish I could too. I mean, believe me, I, I certainly wish I could because the comment section is begging me to spot the lie and I, I just can't do it. Turkey is turkey is fine. Um, no. And thank you so much for being brave enough to share that live on air unprompted because I decided no. I wasn't going to prompt you. Exactly. Because I, I saw that and I was like, I was getting worked up just reading it. And then like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I see Kurt mentioned to uh, extend mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, like, that's another overrated food item too. Like this is like the the podcast of food takes. Like, oh man, I'll tell I you, I mean, mac and cheese. Yeah, what you do? I do. I think hot cheese is one of the most offensive things you can eat during the summertime. November, I'm yep. a little bit more interested, but I also didn't grow up with mac and cheese. It doesn't mean very much to me. If I'm ranking sides, it's always in the bottom half. Uh, and again, enjoying hot cheese during the summer mac and cheese hot pizza i mean i'm already sweating and and come on guys i don't need to sweat further no it's like i'm i'm in total agreement man like i've hot cheese is not enjoyable i i mean even i'm like only time it's acceptable is on pizza that's what i'll say is like vegan vegan cheese on pizza but very good i'll enjoy that but like any other way i'm in total agreement with adam and i did not think after how this started and how it continued for a little bit that we would agree on a food take but you know what that's progress right there that's uh that's gross by us that is progress that is like the native americans and and the settlers coming together <laughs> to break bread for the first thanksgiving what do you eat on thanksgiving it's it's worth it's worth asking our man so Jada. i am typically a big steak or prime rib person um where i make a twice baked potato well actually let me rephrase it my mom makes a twice baked potato um <laughs> with asparagus um 
and like some dinner rolls or whatever. Like the, she makes these Hawaiian rolls. Oh my gosh, dude, I could eat like 30 of them. Um, the carbs for days, but like, that's what I typically eat on a Thanksgiving day. What, what about you, Adam? I'm curious. Mine is a little more standard. I've got like, I've got the turkey gravy stuffing. Uh, there will be a good sweet potato on the side for me and right. I'm sure you'll enjoy. Um, so, and then my dad does a great cranberry cobbler instead of pies. Usually, uh, my aunt brings the pies. He does like a cranberry cobbler and my mom does nut bread family recipe on all holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, and it's to die for every time. So the dessert table is a little different for me, but the, the dinner is pretty standard. Okay, that is standard. But you know what? That Besides the turkey, that sounded pretty reasonable. I'll give you that. Because, I mean, you got a sweet potato in there. I mean, that's at least you can eat something there. All I ask is for you to deem my plate reasonable, uh, and we will be back next week to deem any deals that occur reasonable to figure out if the rumors are reasonable and to figure out how closer we are to a conclusion of this offseason and right as soon as thanksgiving is over the winter meetings are right around the corner there is no better time to subscribe to the channel listen to the audio feed if you missed anything scrub through for the highlights the description has it all this is really the one-stop shop for trade rumor signings and additions and slices all offseason long and it is that because robert murray is the man and I appreciate you teaming me up, man. I wouldn't be po- it wouldn't be possible without you. And uh, even though we may disagree on our food takes, I, I still love you. So this, yeah. there we go. Thanks, love you, buddy. Love you. This was a dominant food episode. Um, I'm sorry again. Like I was like, hey, am I leading you into too many bad food takes? But then you volunteered your turkey stuff without me asking. So clearly, we were on the same page. Oh, absolutely. Somebody needed to say it, and it just so happened to be me. So I'm, I'm happy to finally express some truth about the uh, the vile thing that is dream. <laughs> and you you know there's only one podcast where you can hear that uh, that amount where the hosts are not afraid to go there. And uh, also sometimes we talk about baseball. Uh, until next week, we hope to see you all back next Monday uh, on the Baseball Insiders Live on YouTube, 3:30 Eastern Time Mondays and Thursdays, all off season long. Plus special bout of live shows highlight shows during the winter meetings we're gonna make sure you don't miss a beat uh robert enjoy your holiday man i really hope you're able to uh eat something that satisfies i appreciate it man have a happy thanksgiving everybody that's watching have a happy thanksgiving as well and um yeah we'll see you next week and hopefully we have some news to talk about yeah it would be great take care everybody At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.